Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me as always, your very festive co-host, Kirk. Well, hello, hello. I love the background, Kirk. You're feeling you're feeling in the Halloween spirit. We still got two weeks, man. Don't use up all your Halloween spirit now. I know, I know. In my mind, it's already like a week away, and I'm not prepared at all for Halloween. No, not no, in the slightest. No way. Um, I am your other co-host, Cam, and yes, I feel you. It, it's 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 probably because we have started the spooky season movies. You know, we we like even on this podcast, like we did <laughs> in a row. We did Hocus Pocus, then Werewolf by Night, and then this week we're reviewing Halloween Ends. So it's like we've been in spooky season mode for the better part of three weeks now. And at some point, man, you just gotta let your you just gotta let your freak flag fly and 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 show your Halloween spirit, man. I feel you. I feel you. But Thank welcome, you. welcome in everyone who is on the stream. We're so glad to have you at our new time here, uh, trying out the nine o'clock hour. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I think I, I prefer this. I prefer a little bit earlier. I think ideally if we were funded and this was our full-time job, we would do this not at, in the evening. And if we didn't have kids, right. but we both have kids, they have bedtimes. Some things, some things are more important than podcasting. It turns out. If we were fully funded, you would see us on TikTok live yes. every day, all day. We, it would be us watching movies and reacting live to them, probably. Yes. You would see how disturbing it is when I watch <laughs> a movie. I, first of all, I don't sit still if I'm watching it at my house. Yeah. Second of all, I eat so many different things throughout the course oh, of sure. one film. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. I, my thing is I sit in the weirdest positions. I like, I know that I'm going to have like debilitating spine issues whenever <laughs> I get older and I'm just like, you know, so be it. Like this is comfortable for me to sit. Like I'm a pretzel in my seat is comfortable for me. So, so be it. You uh, sit upside down with your head dangling <laughs> off the bottom of the basically, couch. It's, it's seriously <laughs> strange. Like I think people would be very disturbed by that, but uh, thank you for being here at our new time. And if you're listening to the podcast, tried and true podcast form, we, we love you. We're happy you're here. Um, we've got an exciting episode and we've got an exciting week of shows because like I said, I just teased, we are uh, reviewing Halloween ends, uh, this week, which maybe they should have put a question mark on the end of that movie. That's not a spoiler. I feel like it's not a spoiler at all. I'm just being facetious because if uh, I said, whenever we reviewed Halloween kills, I said, I don't think it will ever end because there's still money to be made. And that was proven true this weekend at the box office. Kirk as Halloween ends made $41 million when it also released on Peacock. So that, that was a bit surprising to me. What did you think about that? I, that's that blows my mind. I also loved, there are some, some pretty big movie influencers out there. They, I saw every one of them. There were like six of them, like without a, without a beat. They're like, just got back from the theater, saw Halloween ends. Didn't realize it comes out on Peacock tomorrow. And they were <laughs> yeah. Viciously upset that they couldn't just sit on their couch and watch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I saw LeBron James tweeted about Halloween ends today. And I was like, hold on. Is this a, Whoa. is this a hashtag ad? What's happening here? Like LeBron, I don't, I can count on maybe one hand the amount of times I've seen LeBron tweet about a movie and he tweeted about Halloween ends and I was like, what is going on here? Wow. So the publicity has been good. 
obviously it's a big buildup because it's the, it's whatever it's, I guess the end who knows? John, like I said, John Carpenter literally was like, Hey, if there's more money to be made, we'll just keep making them. Um, so who knows what will happen after this movie, but you'll have to tune in on Thursday when our review drops on the podcast and in YouTube, um, to catch our, our points of view on that. But for this episode, Kirk, we're talking movie and TV news like we always do. And frankly, it's my favorite. I love talking about movie and TV news. And the title of this episode is hilariously about a bunch of different things. And then something else happened like two hours, like literally 30 minutes after I published this episode that we're going to talk about Kirk DC, DC films. Uh, It's, it's juicy. Lots of, lots of comic book news. Kirk, are you ready for it? I'm ready. I'm so ready. All right. Should we pop it up then? Should we just dive in? Let's dive into a giant pool of popcorn. Let's do it. Take this journey with us. I am always afraid that I'm going to hit the wrong button there and play some (laughs) random music bed because I never remember which one it is. And luckily that has not happened uh, My heart will go on. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like the gummy bear song. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. Which gummy bear song? Like the OG theme song that (laughs) goes hard? Like gummy bear. No, no, no. The annoying one that like your kids randomly find on YouTube every once in a while. And you're like, okay. Ah, Oh uh, yeah. I got you. I got you. And speaking of screaming, I, uh, I randomly lost like my ear is all clogged up on, on this side. So I can't hear my, I can't hear anything out of this ear. Even with these headphones on, it's like totally full. And so if I'm yelling, I'm kind of like brick Tamlin. Like I, I cannot, control the volume of my voice right now <laughs> so bear with like me. rebel wilson in pitch perfect calm down <laughs> yeah i've got there are so many weird illnesses going around kirk and i know i don't have to tell you this you'll have to you'll have to share what's going on in your household recently but in yeah. my house we had just the gnarliest cold run through the house and Ever since I started working from home, every cold the kids get, I get because I have the immune system of like a small baby because I, I like never go in public anymore and I have the diet of a 12-year-old child. Um, <laughs> but this one that they just got was horrific. Ear infections all around, whatever. They're coming off of it. So I've got the ear clog today. I'm like concerned about that. But so far I have dodged it and I would have usually caught it by now. So I'm in the clear, but what's going on in your casa? Oh, literally let's see. Uh, we're maybe five hours removed from it at this point. Um, but we're getting ready to take my daughter Edie to gymnast or no dance class. Yeah. And <laughs> my wife texts me, Never mind. Um, she's throwing up. So oh, no, it's the worst. This is the second bout of stomach flu. No. Within two weeks, my son uh, had it. No one else got it, or so we thought. Right. Here's what I think happened. I think he got it and infected no one. Then we heard that his classmates started dropping like flies, like one after another yes. after another. And now she has it. I think he passed it. His friends got it. Their siblings got it. it and the sibling the is around in the her horn. class. And we're infected again. Because I was going to say, like seven days after the initial one, living in the same house, that's like unheard of. Like if you're going to catch it, you would catch it earlier. Right. Oh, right. man. The stomach bugs. 
are vicious. It's like the exorcist at your house right now. Just like projectile <laughs> vomiting <laughs> happening. Yeah. It's I so might, bad. Um, I might, I'm a ticking time bomb. If <laughs> right, exactly. On it episode. comes on fast. We might lose you midstream here. <laughs> I'm going to commit. I'm not cutting my stream. I'm not moving from this chair. It's my he promise. Just, start, just all over the camera. It's just like. I think we would get like pulled off of Facebook or something. I don't know exactly what would happen, but yes. uh, let's hope let's hope for the best. We'll try to make it quick, but let's get into the big news. I alluded to it at the outset, and this is not in the title of the episode, like I said, because I had to I had to uh, adjust after the fact. We they they make you like in Streamyard and Facebook, they make you publish your episode beforehand with the title and everything. So if something happens last minute, you're kind of hosed. That's what happened tonight. But let's talk about the big news that just dropped which is coming from not marvel kirk for once <laughs> not marvel i know some people will be breathing a sigh of relief hearing that but it's the other one the the studio across the street the redheaded stepchild of the comic book movie world <laughs> dc films our guy boris kit at the hollywood reporter friend of the pop even though we do not know him at all but i i love reading his articles he dropped some absolute bombs of scoops right before we got onto this stream. And I want to share some highlights from them because I feel like these are howitzers. Yeah. For context, okay? If you haven't been listening or you're just now getting into movie news or whatever, DC and Warner is under new leadership CEO David Zasloff. He's been coming into Warner Media clearing house, laying people off, canceling projects, regardless of where they are in production. I mean, they axed Batgirl altogether, and that movie was, like, done. I mean, he has been ruling with an iron fist to cut costs for the shareholders. Um, but we're now maybe seeing the plan coming into place, because everybody's been wondering, what is the plan? What, what is going on at Warner? What is the plan? And DC is certainly one of their biggest IPs, Certainly one of their biggest areas. So if there's going to be a plan, it might start here. And here are some initial scoops on what that plan might be, Kirk. You ready? I don't know if I'm completely ready, <laughs> but I'm ready to hear noise come out of your mouth. Okay, yes. we'll start We'll start low. Some stuff that's probably not surprising. Matt Reeves, who directed The Batman and who is directing multiple other Batmans, has basically been given the keys to the Batcave, if you will, and is is going to continue to spin things off. So we've already heard um, about this Penguin series with Colin Farrell that they're working on, which I know you, Kirk, are very excited about. That's your boy. That's um, my boy. That's your boy. But there are planning on being uh, more in, in terms of villain-based spinoffs. The, they're going to dig into the rogues gallery of Batman villains and start spinning off other shows. And in production right now, or not in production, but in early fabrication are things about Clayface, Scarecrow, and who else did they say? Professor Pig. So I don't know, the article was really long. I my attention, <laughs> your attention. I need bullet points. <laughs> yeah, so I I, there's your bullet point. Lights. I think so far they said they're working on properties around Scarecrow, Clayface, and Professor Pig, who are, you know, Scarecrow and Clayface will probably be household names to most people who are close to Batman. Um, but that's, so that's exciting. That's one of them. Other things that are perhaps more exciting. One, DC is trying to bring back James Gunn. 
James Gunn, who is the architect of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and who, for DC, made the Suicide Squad remake slash sequel, question mark, and the Peacemaker TV series, which was wildly popular. So that is potentially happening. Next, they already have a script for Flash 2, the Flash 2, done. And we haven't even gotten the first Flash movie. And this one's being written by the same writer, David Leslie, who pinned Aquaman for DC. Um, mm. So we'll see about that. But the final one, Kirk, the final one is that Henry Cavill is returning as Superman. But not just in Black Adam, as The Rock kind of spoiled earlier last week, but in a new Superman film that is in the works right now. Kirk, your reaction. That is music to my ears, Cam. I have been a longtime big fan, fanatic of Man of Steel. Yes. And I am that's that's just beautiful, beautiful news. He deserves another opportunity because any subsequent opportunity he had as Superman was not a good movie. Not a single one. So this yeah. is great news. I agree. Uh, like specifically on the Henry Cavill front, we talked about it a little bit because these rumors were swirling about Superman returning in Black Adam. And can I just say <laughs> that the way Dwayne Johnson has gone about the Superman cameo, the fact that it's now like household knowledge, he, he literally went on every talk show in the world seemingly. Well, he had like press junkets and then he was on Fallon. And on both of those, he, he said without actually saying that Superman is in Black Adam as an after credits cameo. So now everybody knows that. But that is yeah. so frustrating to me. I think it would have absolutely brought the house down if if that would have stayed behind closed doors. And I know that there's always leaks, but the fact that like you've got the studio leaking it is <laughs> just very irritating to me. I shouldn't you be know, finding out about that on Twitter. I should be finding out about that in the theater and I should be the freaking out with with all the fans. Or word of mouth as soon as the first crowd of people go and see it. Yes. And they drop it on social like, the end credits have Superman. You know, it should never be the studio. I mean, that's the thing that you want. I mean, the leaks, I'm sure we'll see Superman in the end credits before the movie premieres now. It's it's that simple. Someone has already recorded it. They're going to tactfully yeah. release it instead of no one knowing anything. That's the problem with all the studios anymore. They want people so badly in the theaters that they just release stuff. But it's so frustrating. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I, I think it's exactly that, that, that Warner is like, Black Adam has to win at the box office and like win big. And even though it's got Dwayne Johnson, who will attract the casuals who maybe would not have seen a Black Adam movie, which is a good thing. That's fine. Um, they wanted the insurance. And I think that leaking the Henry Cavill return as Superman is the insurance. Um, I'm, I'm frankly surprised the whole post credit scene isn't on the web right now. I really am. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that it's not. And maybe it will be before Friday, but um, yeah, it's annoying. It's annoying. But Henry Cavill being back as Superman, I view as a win. I don't think he's a bad Superman. I, I think that he's a good Superman and a good Clark Kent. My complaint has always been with the way that they've decided to write that character um, in the DCEU so far. And, and Man of Steel was fine. I liked it. I'm not as high on it as you are. 
you know some of the Superman fans are, and I'm not as low as low on it as some of the as some of the fanatics are, but I do think that Superman needs some help from the writing in general as a character, and I thought that what they've done to date in the DCEU, both via Justice League and that horrible Batman versus Superman movie, is just not that did not meet the mark. So, yeah, what I love about the the possibilities now that if it's a direct sequel not a reboot or any other planet or timeline if it's exactly from part two of man of steel you know superman never really has enough conflict except for villains that somehow surprise him that are somehow power more powerful than him now he just you know he straight up broke his code don't kill right so now he's going to be conflicted every time his mind might automatically kind of drift there when he's fighting like street level villains and they'd be like, oh man, I've got to stop. You know, maybe he's not uh, full front helping every single person. You know, there's there's a good level of conflict to make him more interesting because he can do literally anything. So very excited what path that takes in a Superman 2 film. Yeah, I think it has a lot of potential and I know that, you know, you can't have DC without Superman and they've been trying no. to do that for a long time <laughs> for too long uh, outside of Zack Snyder's justice league cut, which whatever uh. <laughs> um, they haven't had a, a proper Superman film in a really, really long time. And that's, that should never be the case. Uh, the Batman is doing great. I think what they're doing with the Batman right now, I'm on board. I, I really enjoy the vision. I hope that it continues to pan out. I hope they don't, hope it doesn't get bad because they're doing all these spinoffs. I hope that it just in, enriches it. But Superman needs to be back. Uh, that's that's the one thing uh, Dwayne Johnson was right about. Superman needs to be in the game. So I think that's that's a good sign. James Gunn, that news... <laughs> I, here's the thing. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not because he has spoken very highly of his time working at Warner. Um, they give him carte blanche on what he wants to do there with Peacemaker and with the Suicide Squad, I mean, he was total, had total freedom, could do anything that he wanted. So I'm sure that's a great creative situation to be in for him. What I do think it means, though, is that, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll check this with you. I think his days at Marvel are done after, after Guardians. Do you think that that's 100% true, or do you think that there's still an open door there? Yeah, I would say he's going to take a longer break from them because, you know, they burned him. They burned him hard. They buried him and uh, didn't back him at all um, in a time that was very tumultuous. And he came back. But now it's like, you know what? He's got the freedom, the creative freedom. He's got the fan base to know that he can go wherever he wants and do whatever he wants. So is it a closed door on Marvel? I don't think so, but I think that he's going to give himself some space after Guardians 3 drops. Yeah, I also wonder just like, well, I'm very curious as to what this next project is going to be. Uh, The Suicide Squad was such a natural fit for him and his style and vision, so that that was not hard to see the path forward there. But I do wonder what he's going to pick up next. I think there's a lot of DC properties that he will do an incredible job with. I just wonder where they'll go. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Is it green lantern? Like all the green lanterns, like teaming up for like a giant. I don't think so. I I almost feel like they need to, they need to keep green lantern on the shelf for a bit. Um, yeah. 
And like, I don't know, maybe like there, there's a world where that could work. I, I'm, I always, my head with James Gunn always goes more obscure. I'm thinking like, like Lobo, <laughs> like an anti-hero, okay. yeah. Yeah. you know, cosmic, uh, motorcycle gang time kind of guy just like a crazy dude i just feel like that would be a great fit um there's a few that could be hilarious like wonder twins could potentially be really hilarious and i know that they were kicking around a project on that front for a while i don't know i don't know we'll see but um that's exciting and on the flash thing if they have a script written that means they probably had it written with ezra miller in mind do you agree Oh, 100%. But yeah. I'm terrified that it's the same screenplay writer <laughs> from Aquaman 1. Ouch. Yeah. That's a concern. <laughs> That's a Big concern. I don't, I don't like that movie. Um, I'm not particularly excited for the new Aquaman as a result of that movie. Even though I think Jason Momoa is fine as Aquaman. I don't really have any problems with him. I thought he was one of the better performers in the justice league, even though that movie is not good. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know how to feel about flash Two, but the Ezra Miller stuff. I mean, what if, what if there's a conviction there? Unlikely because it's probably just really high paid lawyers who are going to do their job and, and yeah. get them off. But it's, uh, I don't want to see that person continue to be in the DCEU or anywhere. So that will be a tough pill to swallow if they just continue to try to brush this under the rug. At least for me, that's going to be weird. 26 years in the event that Ezra goes to jail. I mean, that's like sensational because like no, very few celebrities go to jail for that long. Like we just finally got R. Kelly after like 20 years knowing that he committed a crime. (laughs) Yeah. So if that were to happen, dude... That would be insane. That's like, yes. yeah, to your point, like, you do not see that. You just don't see it. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just going to have such a hard time watching the movie with with Ezra involved. I just, I don't know. I don't know. So it's mm-hmm. like, with this news, I'm excited. I overall feel like the direction is good. I think Superman being back is good. I think more James Gunn is good. I think you and I are on the same page there. But then it's like... I think the Batman stuff is good, but then the flash, I'm like, ah, the flash, you know, like that was supposed to be the movie. You remember when they first announced it, you and I were so excited about it just because of what it would mean to the DCEU. And we were already anti Ezra because of their past before that. And now there's all this crap and it's like, now, now, now you can't even get excited for that movie. Let's be clear. There's not one Ezra. There are at least two Ezra Millers in the Flash At movie. least two. Yes, exactly. Good point. There seen, are at least so. two. You've got a double dose of that. <laughs> that's not a, That's not fair. It's not fair that we have to be sub- subjected to that when uh, Ezra's just a terrible, terrible human being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so true. But on the DC front, we got Black Adam this weekend, so... That has to be good. In my mind, that has to be good for any hope. DC's on a bit of a roll, I feel like, with, with the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, both of which were James James Gunn, the Batman, which was great, um, you know, Joker, which you and I both loved. They, they're on a bit of a roll. So if Black Adam's good and then Shazam's good, I, I will feel I will feel pretty good-ish, as good as I can feel with the Flash being what it is. Um, 
especially if the Superman cameo is exciting. But yeah, it has to, Black Adam has to be good, in my opinion. Um, it does. It has to. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. DC has a new direction, and I'm sure we'll hear more about it in the coming weeks as the company either confirms or denies some of the things that have come out or adds more to that to get the fans excited post black adam we'll see but the the walter hamada era of dc films is over he, he's exiting and the new direction appears to be well underway so we'll see what happens all right moving on to the other studio uh, because heading into this episode the big news story we were going to lead with was actually coming from marvel which is you know, not overly surprising. Marvel does something interesting um, just about every every week, but it's not every week, Kirk. It's not every week that they bring Harrison freaking Ford into the fold, is it? <laughs> it's exciting. Harrison Ford. Harrison is one of those guys who either has your favorite in place of cuss word or a cuss word as their middle name. I think in general, whenever you say his Mm -hmm. name, I I tend to say Harrison freaking Ford or some variant of that because he's one of those guys. Yeah. One of those performers. There are a few of them. There are very few these days who, whose name commands a ton of weight where you hear it. When you hear them in a cast list, you're like, Whoa, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford. You mean Han Solo, Indiana Jones, Rick Deckard, that Harrison Ford. Yeah, President <laughs> Ford. <laughs> exactly. Um, and he's stepping in to the to fill the shoes of the late great William Hurt um, as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross in the MCU, who uh, of course is the guy who locked up all of uh, the Civil War peeps, you know, uh, with the Sokovia Accords. With the Sokovia Accords, Anthony Mackie and and Jeremy Renner and all those goons who got locked up. And who also in the comics eventually becomes Red Hulk and leads the team of the Thunderbolts, which uh, what they've confirmed so far, and this is Deadline, Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, they're all in on this. They have confirmed that Harrison Ford will, will play Thunderbolt Ross for at least Thunderbolts and Captain America New World Order. Wow. What's your reaction to this news? Do you think it's a fit? Where, where's your head at? This is big. This is really big. It's definitely a fit. It's definitely a fit. You know, there's something about those two men. When you see William Hurt come in and you want someone to be just innately angry um, and, and, <laughs> yes. al- and also commanding the room without much effort at all, um, William Hurt to a T and also Harrison Ford to a T. It, it's, it's the perfect recasting in the unfortunate event of uh, William Hurt's passing. So I am I'm thrilled because, uh, I mean, if, you know, 30 years ago, if the MCU had the technology, I guarantee you that Harrison Ford would have been Hulk because he is angry all the time. Yes. That's just what he is. Uh, I, I absolutely love this casting. I never expected it. I fully expected Harrison to kind of take on um, smaller roles. I mean, because he's he's a little bit up there in age and he's done so many physical movies in his prime that I didn't know that his body could take on something like this. But whatever, he's he's going for it. And I love it so much. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's hard to envision a more perfect fit. It's it's one of those things where if you were casting Thunderbolt Ross from scratch, this would be the fan casting. This would be yeah. the thing. Like this this would be it. And so you rarely feel like those things are ever going to come to fruition. And so whenever the the leaks started to circulate that hey, this might be happening, I was like, no way. No way is this true. This has to be just fan casting that got misconstrued with real info and blah 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 but now that it's real i'm like okay this is a great fit obviously for all of the reasons that you said kirk but also this is going to be interesting because i think one of the things that um sticks out to me (laughs) anthony mackie had a really funny quote uh earlier uh this month where he was interviewed and i I can't remember the publication or whatever but basically that he was going to be in a marvel movie and somebody was asking him any details that you know about being in it. And he was like, well, you know how that goes. They just call you up and say, we own you get your butt over here for the movie. And you don't know anything (laughs) about it. And so my point on that is that Marvel has traditionally been a studio that takes B list or below actors and makes them, (laughs) you know, and, and, and really what we've seen is they, they did that with Chris Evans and they did that with Mark Ruffalo and ScarJo and all of these other big actors um, who are big actors now. But those people right. weren't. They weren't A-listers prior to the Marvel Studios. And then once they became big A-listers, they did a few more films and then they exited. This is the first time that I can really remember Marvel bringing in the tippy top of the A-list. I mean, one of the most well-known names in the world in acting. Uh, they, I don't know that they've done this, really. Like, Benedict Cumberbatch was the one that came to mind where whenever that casting was announced, it was like, whoa. Benedict Cumberbatch, Brie Larson, it was like, oh, these are Academy Award nominees. These are big actors. But they were still right. young. Harrison Ford feels like something totally new. Right. The only other names of, of merit would be um, Christian Bale and Kurt Russell. But there's just something so powerful about Harrison Ford's stardom because of the opportunities that he's had and the work that he's put out there, right? Like not only that he was right guy, right time, the fact that he was good in those as well. Cause we've yes, seen many movies yes. where people have been given an opportunity. However, they failed. <laughs> so right. he, com- he committed it and he, he was just, he was just worth every dollar for every, every franchise, every major franchise he's already been a part of. We've completely forgotten his Jack Ryan stints. He did at least two of those. Uh, and, and the list goes on. That's why, he was such uh, a billable actor because people want to see him. And these, these are two properties that people are going to run to see. Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder how Marvel and Kevin Feige and the leadership team over there handles this. Um, because to your point, Harrison Ford is big time. And he's also famously uh, does things his own way. You know, he it's it's... He's earned that, you know, he, he does things on his terms. And so what does happen? And we've had people ask this question, uh, you know, since the news had been announced and I've seen plenty of people talk about it on Twitter too. Like what happens when Harrison Ford is just like, meh, I'm done. You know, like what's the contingency plan? What, what does that mean? Or, or what happens when Marvel's like, Hey, we need you to appear for five minutes in this movie. We'll pay you a 
bajillion zillion dollars but you have to be on set for two days and he's like i don't want to do that it's not worth my time I, ha I have plenty of money like i think those are real possibilities yeah yeah they'll, they'll definitely just have to rewrite whatever they wanted or allude to it and then never make it happen <laughs> or you know in in the bruce willis case uh, just buy the rights to his likeness forever with all the rest <laughs> of their yeah. their bank you know <laughs> yeah it's like i when this was announced, I think you and I kind of talked about it whenever it was rumored. And our consensus was like, certainly not surprised that Marvel Studios wants him. I'm sure there are plenty of people on their short list for every role that you would be like, duh, of course you want that person. But it's a little bit surprising that Harrison Ford and his team were like, all right, we'll do it. He doesn't have anything to prove. He doesn't really have anything to gain outside of money and, and a few more credits on his very illustrious resume but he, he doesn't really need this um yeah i'm curious if we'll find some interview well not interviews just like statements because he hates interviews right <laughs> we won't see him in the press <laughs> yeah, he does <laughs> but like you know maybe uh, i was on the phone with harrison and he told me like uh when i need when i need to deep dive in to see if him and william hurt had any kind of connection through the years that would be part one uh that would be make it make sense yeah for yeah him that's to a good point this role or part two, he's got a family member that he holds close to him or or they hold him in high esteem that probably asked him like, hey, if you ever had the chance to do a Marvel movie, could you do it for me, grandpa, you know, or, or Uncle Harrison, right, you know, whatever right. it might be. Yeah, we've heard a lot of these these people who are the bigger actors who get pulled into the MCU. They're like, well, my kids like it, you know, or, or my yeah. grandkids were like what you're going to be in Marvel. That's so cool. And then they do it for them. Like that's, that was the Christian Bale scenario where he was like, mm -hmm. all right, I'll do it, whatever. And where he normally wouldn't. So yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm excited. I want this to work so much. And I think that, I think that there's no reason it shouldn't on paper. So I just really hope that it, it all stays together because I, this, this movie in particular, Thunderbolts, um, I'm very excited about it and I'm, even though it absolutely freaking sucks that William Hurt played that character for so long before the MCU, all the way back in that 2004 Eric Bana Incredible Hulk movie with Jennifer Connelly that was no good. He has played this character and now he would finally get the chance to be in the limelight. I mean, just like, ah, it just, it's, it's heart wrenching because he was so great. Um, but this does make me feel better. At first I was like, I don't know how to feel about a new Thunderbolt Ross, but if anybody's going to fill the shoes of, of William Hurt, William Hurt's greatness, I mean, I think there's not a better person to do it. So it's, right. it's, it's, right. it's, I'm now more excited about this, much more excited about this. All right. Let's talk about what else was going on at Marvel Studios because it wasn't just that news. They also had a big shakeup and we teased this in the last episode that their director um, for Blade, um, Bossam Tarek, who Marvel Studios is very high on. This is a this is a guy he directed Mogul Mowgli with um, help me Riz Riz Ahmed, and who yep. is who has a very keen eye and, and people who have worked with him are very high on him. He exited Blade, um, which was a big shakeup. He's staying on as executive producer, but just couldn't make it work. Now with production that was supposed to start in November, they delayed production. Now they've delayed basically the whole Marvel studio schedule as a result of this, um, 
basically this and, and a few other thoughts, they were just like, we got to push things back. And I mean, big delays. So let's, let's hum through them real quick. So this movie blade, um, that was supposed to be released November of next year is now hoping to begin production, begin production in January with a new release date slated for September of 2024. So that is 10 months, 10 months of delay. That is very significant. As a result, Deadpool 3 also delayed um, now to release two months after Blade, so November 8th, 2024. Fantastic Four um, has been pushed to 2025, so it's it's all the way out of 2024 and into 2025. And Secret Wars, Avengers Secret Wars, which will, if you can remember, be the end of Phase 6, now trickles into 2026. We were all so excited, Kirk, <laughs> for these last three to four weeks about the fact that we were going to get two Avengers movies in one year and now that appears to be done as uh, the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars will now be split between 2025 and 2026. Is this a wow. big deal? A small deal? What, what, what's, the, what's the thought here? <clears throat> it's a big deal in the sense that uh, it makes it seem unattainable because even though it's only 2022 and that's four years from now, it's when you say 2026 it sounds like lifetimes away uh versus when you say 2025 <laughs> like i don't know uh end of 2024 yeah. like those it, it it just i wish that they would stop putting dates to things and i i think that they all should have learned their lesson all the studios due to covid right everything got shifted and we can't meet deadlines anymore i'm a big a big big advocate of like deadlines shouldn't really exist or yeah. like here's our goal but that's not 100 where it's happening in any form of uh medium life business whatever except for like babies babies due dates that those matter those should but probably anything stay. else yeah yeah <laughs> I don't think anything else should really be held to a, at an accountable date. Um, so it's it's frustrating. I wish they would just say, forget about it. And then six months, like before the movie is ready, because you have to know six months for distribution plans. You just say, guess what? Boom, you drop the full trailer. It's coming. Well, that yeah, because simple. they Marvel these days, they, they hold their cards so close to the, the vest now with their trailers that like you don't get a trailer more than six months in advance anyway so right. what does it matter like to your point like we kind of all knew that those dates weren't going to stick so why even give us the dates because then it just it, it, it gives the appearance of like trouble in paradise whenever these things yes. get delayed and this yes. definitely in my opinion stinks of trouble in paradise because of the stuff like a director walking away from a Marvel project doesn't usually happen um, John Watts walking away from Fantastic Four is one thing. That's not overly surprising because he's worked with them and will continue to work with them. And, you know, that's just, that is what it is. Um, but this one was, because this is a guy who, you know, Basim Tarek, who is an up-and-comer. He has not solidified himself in this world and probably would benefit greatly from a movie like Blade on his resume. So when you start talking about guys like that walking away, and the fact that Mahershala Ali, who um, wanted... He, he's the reason this film's even being made. Because he went to yeah. Kevin Feige and was like, I'm going to be Blade, what do you think? And now he's getting frustrated with the process. There's lots of um, sources indicating that he's frustrated with how things have gone. It's like, man, is this the straw that 
<laughs> is this the is this the Jenga piece that that crumples the tower? You know, like the fact that that one movie seemingly has had such seismic effects on the production schedule at Marvel, and there were already all these rumors about Kevin Feige's plate being too full and the world being too big. Um, I think it's a concern. I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, but I'm just reading the tea leaves here and, and thinking this is interesting. At the very least, it's intriguing. It's intriguing. So yeah, I'd I'm certainly. Interested. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. <laughs> I was like, I'm. I'm certainly not rooting for them to fail. So that's. Right. I, I want them to succeed. Um, I really enjoy the vast majority of this stuff. So I. I want them to win, but. Um, you know, stuff like this, it, it, it makes you double take for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious if Kevin Feige has like a right hand man, you know, his own little Alexander Hamilton running around and who they are. Uh, it sounds like he doesn't have that person. I don't know if he's fearful that uh, they would be like Brutus and stab him in the back and usurp him or uh, if he just doesn't want us to know because there's no way he can take care of all these properties. So Honestly, I hope that this is the last time we hear about dates. Yes. I don't want to see another shuffle. Uh, I just want to see real dates with a trailer, a finished trailer yep. that makes you know CGI is done. This movie is coming. That's it. Yeah, I, I'm totally behind that. And I think that this is probably just typical growing pains. You know, we all were, we all flagged it when they started saying we're going to do all these shows and all these movies and we're going to basically double our release schedule at least every single year from here on out like scaling like that is going to have consequences i think this position that kevin feige finds himself in and what the reporting seems to be saying is that like he is the heart and soul of marvel studios creatively as well as administratively and that a lot of the really successful creative ideas come from his his melon and so whenever he's preoccupied with so many different things um, stuff slips or gets drawn out and um, he needs he needs to be heavily involved in everything they do so maybe ramping up and doing so many productions each year is, is not the right strategic choice even though it may be the right dollar choice short term um, yeah I, I think that's I think those are all fair fair criticisms so good we, luck Kevin we shall see we're all rooting for you we're all rooting for you okay Let's get out of uh, superhero land. It always takes us a bit. Um, but I want to talk about a couple of other stories that are popping up that are that are interesting. First of all, Crown, fan, fans of The Crown, um, the, the massively popular Netflix original series about the Royals, we're getting a season five trailer. Um, this Thursday, October 20th, we're going to get the first trailer for season five. And the season releases in November, I believe. Is that right, Kirk? Season five? That's right. That's and right. We got this some. Is, this is when they've got the new cast, too, um, which they do every two seasons with this show. So this is the penultimate season, I believe. And they've got a new cast, and we started to get first look at that, and we're going to get a first trailer on Thursday. Yeah, I know way too much about The Crown now, more than I ever <laughs> had which is like how a lot of it goes, right? Like yeah. the passing of the queen is impactful. And here I am, I'm like, oh, I need to watch that show now. Yeah. And I haven't begun, but I think I need to start binging because I've got approximately one month before this thing begins. I think you can tear through it. It's, uh, you know, they're all hour long episodes thereabouts, but I don't know. I feel like I watched 
three seasons in a decently short span of time. I do still need to watch season four. I've been waiting on it because I wanted it to be fresh. Yeah. Um, my time is probably up, I think, Kirk. I think you're right that it's uh, it's time for me to blow the dust off of that season four and, and run that before the trailer. Or not before the trailer, but before the season drops. Before the trailer, you have three days. I have two <laughs> days. <laughs> I'm going to be so enamored and in the weeds with the, the crown that we're going to hop on for a movie review. And I'm just going to say the latest episode review, like, well, when the queen did this, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be like, thought, well, I'm like, wait, what? We're talking about black Adam. Kirk. What are you talking about? Oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> my bad. I didn't get a chance to see it. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where you're like, you're so in it, like in a show because you're mid binge and it's like, all you want to talk to other people about and yet nobody else is having that very unique individual ex- experience that you are. That's right. me with game of Thrones right now, because when house of the dragon came out, I was like, well, I've only ever seen the first five seasons of game of Thrones. <laughs> and even though I know what happens, I want to watch the whole thing before I watch that. And so I've been binging game of Thrones. I'm in, I'm finally to the final season now, so I'll be done very soon. But everybody I talk to, I'm like, so did you watch Game of Thrones? <laughs> They're probably like, yeah, like three years ago, you weirdo. Shut up. Um, but for me, it's like all I'm thinking about. So I, it's it's one of those things. But I think you can do it, Kirk. I think you can you can get there. But the trailer the trailer drops Thursday. We'll be ready. Got some first looks. This is going to be quite the season, Kirk, with the Princess Diana storyline. Elizabeth Debicki filling the shoes of Princess Di. Um it's uh there's a lot Imelda Staunton is the new queen we've got tons of uh Jonathan Price is is uh our boy Prince uh Charles no the other one I'm the worst at the Royals I'm so bad I'm gonna be so good after (laughs) I watch the show the one who died who was who died like very recently the Mm. queen's husband anyway oh yeah that guy. Oh, uh, uh, Andrew? No. Darn it. <laughs> I always forget. I always forget. But anyway, Jonathan Price, who oh, I think man. is awesome, um, he's he's playing that role. Albert? Uh, people are screaming at their phones right now <laughs> listening to this podcast. They're like, you idiots. And we are. We are. We, we should know this. This is just pure ignorance. I'm on IMDb right Husband, now. <laughs> I'm on Google. <laughs> Philip. Philip, Philip, cheese and Pete. Of course I knew oh, that. Prince I saw Phillip. that part when I watched the first like three episodes. Yeah, he was like my, literally my favorite ago. character through the first three seasons. So, ugh, man. Oh, man. Just because Forgive us. such a tragic and fascinating life that that, and, and dark and twisted and gross and all the things that I tend to yeah. like in shows. But anyway, where were we? The Crown, uh, season five. <laughs> trailer this thursday we gotta stop talking about the show because we don't know we don't know enough to talk about it apparently this is a deep dive on the crown i've (laughs) seen three episodes he's seen 10 yeah we should we should analyze season five without watching it and just like make up what we think is happening in the show just by the title and the synopsis yeah yeah just just based on the imdb synopsis and who's in the episode i think that would be that has potential that has real potential there yes um okay other productions that are coming out that are very exciting and then if there's anything else that i miss kirk we'll leave time for it at the end but that movie uh the the anti-social network movie which 
is based on the book called The Antisocial Network, which is based on the real-life events of the GameStop Reddit stock squeeze. That yeah. movie is is happening. That came together unbelievably quickly. And um, Craig Gillespie, who directed um, Cruella DeVille and a few other good movies that, I've, that I'm blanking on right now, uh, he's directing it. And the cast list has been revealed. And, man, there are some really interesting names on this cast list. You ready for this, Kirk? Yes. Shailene Woodley, Pete Davidson, Sebastian Stan, Seth Rogen, Paul Dano, Anthony Ramos, Vincent D'Onofrio, Dane DeHaan. That's according wow. to Deadline. And the film is going to be called Dumb Money. It's not going to be called The Antisocial Network. It's going to be called Dumb Money. Uh, so it's a satire. Oh, okay. I think yeah. it will be. I mean, I think the whole thing, right? Like, the whole premise is that a bunch of Reddit trolls... <laughs> screwed over an entire multi-billion dollar hedge fund um, by basically artificially impacting the price of GameStop stock. So uh, the whole thing is very satirical <laughs> in the context of our society and yeah. market. So I think it will be, I think to, I think tonally it has potential to be a very fun, um, I'm guessing it'll be a dramedy. You know, not not a full blown comedy, but it will be funny. I, I have no doubt it will be funny. For sure. Do we know who's directing? You say Craig, Craig Gillespie. Gillespie? Craig that's Gillespie. right. That's right. Um, yeah, it has to be it has to be like same energy as The Big Short, um, but yep. far enough away where it doesn't feel like the same movie, right? So, yes. I also kind of like. I'm going back and forth, but I do like that they changed it from anti-social network to dumb money because I'm just thinking about when it gets to streaming and you're searching you're always <laughs> going to see uh, Aaron Sorkin's uh, you know yep. the, the social network and I wonder if that was a block from their team like you can't name it that like that's not I allowed. think it's definitely intentional because of the movie title like yeah. I think the book is titled that because of the movie and they don't want the movie to be titled that because of the movie so um <laughs> I'm excited about this. I think Craig Gillespie is more than capable. I mean, his recent credits on the director front are great. Um, I, Tanya and Cruella. Oh, and Tanya, um, what else, man? There was one other. Oh, the, the million dollar arm, which had John Hamm in it and was one of those feel good Disney movies, but I actually liked it. Um, he's, he's more than capable of doing this. And that's and by my money. That's a, that's a good cast or a very intriguing cast. Um, so I'm I'm officially very excited about this. I, I have to say, gonna be fun. Gonna be real fun. Definitely. All right, moving along. Uh, this is a <laughs> this is a really interesting one. I mean, Marty Scorsese, our cinema king. You know, the 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 face of the this is cinema meme <laughs> is becoming more and more involved in television. Kirk, have you been picking up on this? I mean, we knew about the Devil in the White City, which is. We talked about that last week. Keanu is out. It's a whole thing. Um, but now, out of seemingly nowhere, Deadline is reporting that a Gangs of New York TV series is in the works with Martin Scorsese as executive producer and directing the first two episodes, which that was the part that got me like, yes, absolutely fired up. What do you think, Kirk? I think, if I remember correctly, you're a big fan of uh, Gangs of New York. 
I am. Big fan. Big fan. Gangs of New York is one of two Scorsese's properties that I was not at all uh, engaged with until I forced myself to watch them. Uh, this and The Aviator. Uh, and I just was just baffled how much I loved both of them. Uh, I didn't think I'd like them at all. And, and they really are just incredible pieces of art. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we this, this is such a good format uh, of because that movie is one of his three longest films very long very long <laughs> and it lends itself to explore uh the the back and forth and and more of the manipulation and more of of the history of of why the politics in that town are are so corrupt and set up the way they are there's just it's almost like its own peaky blinders honestly and it's it's just the perfect format for it i i do worry about it running for multiple seasons unless it has an end like this is going to run for two seasons and there's going to be 14 episodes each like something like that like it has to have an end an end game for sure otherwise it's gonna get hairy yeah, Peaky Blinders is such a good call, um, and I think that one of the reasons that that show caught on, and one of the reasons that I think that this show has a high probability of, of being a, a hit, is that it's from an era that is really underwritten about, at least, or underportrayed, I should say, in yes. television and film. When you watch Gangs of New York, you're like, what is this fantasy land that I've just walked into? But it's, you know, it's just turn of the century New York City and these are the kinds of things that were happening late 1800s early 1900s um, as America was still finding itself and you had you know boatloads of of immigrants coming over from other countries and all these culture clashes it's just a very interesting era in certainly American history and world history Um, so I think it has potential I'm excited about going back to that world. I actually watched that movie for the first time very recently, so this feels especially exciting to me. Um, I think it's going to be a good time. All right, one last thing. I wanted to call this out because I think this is bonkers. I have been, and this isn't really news, but if you pay attention, it's October, and so this isn't overly surprising, but horror is dominating the box office. And I got to thinking, I was like, and uh, I've, I've appeared on uh, another podcast a couple, uh, probably a month ago now, and I was talking about, you know, the more I look at 2022, it hasn't turned out to be that great of a film year for me, but horror is absolutely slaying. I mean, you look at some of the titles that have come out this year that have been so good, like Nope and uh, Bodies, 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 and the Scream, the new Scream movie that came out at the beginning of this year, yeah. X and Pearl, and... Uh, Barbarian. I mean, it's just been such an insanely good year for horror, and horror is crushing at the box office. I wanted to pull this up because this is insane. I started to dig into it a little bit, and uh, on this website called thenumbers.com, they look into things like this. And if you look at horror over the last, um, you know, since basically the, what is this, goes back to the 80s, I think. Uh, or the early 90s, the it shows number of ticket sales um, total and then the market share of horror. And if you look at since 2015, 2016, horror's market share went from an average of 4.5% all the way up to where it's at now, which is closer to 10%. That's So that's 10% of tickets being sold right now are horror. And it was even higher in 2020 and 2021 because for whatever reason, 
a good number of the movies that were able to be released in those years happen to be horror, but people are seeing horror movies in droves, and it's actually one of the only genres that is consistently pulling people to the theaters right now. And like for me, you know. Kirk, I would never have called myself a horror fan um, prior to this podcast, and even still, I think it's probably one of my weakest genres in terms of knowing the history of the genre and, and knowing all of the tentpole films that come with being a big horror fan, but I have to say, I'm becoming kind of a big horror fan recently, and, and most of my favorite movies from this year have been horror, so what do you think? What do you, what do you think about the horror renaissance that's going on in, in the world right now, and uh, um, why that might be? Yeah, I'm mostly interested in that spike in this chart of 2017, and <laughs> yes. one of the I mean, insane. One of the movies that came out was It, Chapter One. Yes. Big, big drop, Huge big movie. rejuvenation. You know, Get Out was also that year, um, considered in the horror genre, of course. Uh, Gerald's Game dropped on Netflix. You know, a Stephen King short story. Uh, just a lot of a lot of like big hitters, and I wonder if that inspired some writers to say you know what? People want to go back to the theater to get scared. They yeah. want to have that Blair Witch Project moment. They want the sixth sense reveal. Let's get them there. So I feel like that whoever, you know, the the six minds, uh, the six writing minds in 2015 that wrote those stories to get them to 2017 in, must have inspired a bunch of people to get us where we are today, which is pretty, pretty cool to look at. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that. I think something you hit on that I think is definitely true is people want to experience horror with other people. If you look at like around that time of 2017, you think about American horror story and some of the shows that were going on, um, yeah. like, um, what is it? The haunting of Hill house and stuff like that from, from the guy who did, uh, who does all the Stephen King stuff yeah. these days. He did, um, Oh my gosh, my brain is absolute gelatin. Um, the the sequel the to ear. the it's sequel the to uh, um, the sequel to The Shining. What was that movie called? Was um, it Mike Flanagan? Yeah, Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. Mike All of the Flanagan. Mike Flanagan stuff that has come out. Like, I think like streaming started to reignite the horror stuff with the shows, like like the American Horror Stories and um, the Haunting of Hill House and, and and things like that. And then now it's like they're just realizing that there's a lot of horror fans out there. And so like, let's make a bunch of horror movies because the number of horror movies to your point, I think has gone up as well. And there's all these big directors in horror right now, like Scott Derrickson, Jordan, Jordan Peele, obviously Mike Flanagan. Um, there's just a ton. Um, so I, I'm very intrigued by that. I, I'm kind of, kind of, I'm here for it. I, I like the horror Renaissance and I like the fact that it's making me get into horror more, but I just, I figured I would call that out because I find it very intriguing. Yeah, and I mean, just a reminder, um, Phantasm, you need to watch that before oh Halloween. Oh gosh, how many times I, I, I need to do it just so you, so you can stop. You're like you're like uh, uh, the salesperson at the front door. You just won't let me. It's like, I, like for some reason, I think they're paying you. Are they paying you, Kirk? What's happening? Yeah, Don Coscarelli, <laughs> writer, director, executive producer. <laughs> I am actually Don Coscarelli. <laughs> yeah, at um, some point in your life, you were on death's door and you like made a deal <laughs> that you had to promote this movie and they would revive you. With Don you. Coscarelli. <laughs> I don't know what's I happening. Am, I'm going to secretly plan 
a, a date for our wives and children and i'm going to have all five films in hand oh no i think i own two of them and i'm going to show up at your house <laughs> you're gonna think that you're going to and i'm gonna push you back inside and we're gonna go to your home theater and we're going to watch all five back to back to back to it's back like a film back. intervention like like <laughs> it's gonna be like your kid's birthday party you're gonna be like hey come you guys come on over and then my wife like makes something up like oh i'm sick i can't go and it ends up just being me when i walk in it's just you with a bowl of popcorn in the dark like <laughs> let's begin <laughs> the i'm scared already now. Up on the dvd menu and i say have a seat <laughs> the real horror movie the real thing i'm afraid of is you forcing me to watch these movies that's what's that's what's going <laughs> to keep me up at night hey but you know that's a pretty good uh, plot line honestly we like, should write that movie it's a oh, horror yeah. movie about somebody trying to get you to watch a horror movie and they'll stop at nothing to get you to watch it. Yeah. And they, I mean, they will torture you. They'll to, kill oh, you. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this is perfect. They're going to clockwork orange your eyelids yes. open. And if you, if you try to close your eyes, they like do something horrible. I think this has potential. Kurt. Okay. Okay. All right. Trademark. What did we miss? Anything that we missed Kirk, anything you want to highlight since I took, I took uh, open mic to talk about the horror uh, streak that's going on right now. Anything you want to plug? Well, I love that. Um, big shout out Survivor Season 99 is out right now. Be sure 99? I, I, f- <laughs> I must have missed 50 years or something. What's going on? It's pretty great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm loving it. It's a little bit of the same of the past three seasons, but they've kind of tweaked what's going on. Jeff Probst, as you all know, the host has cut his hair, which is even better because it was looking pretty shaggy. Um <laughs> He's in good shape. Uh, dropping on Hulu, I believe it's already streaming right now, is uh, Rosalind, which if you know Romeo and Juliet, the, there is the famous girlfriend of Romeo that he just like gets dumped by. And so we hear her, her story about her seeing this play out of her ex-boyfriend uh, f- immediately falling in love with this 14-year-old and killing himself <laughs> over and her. And that's, that's Caitlin Deaver. Right. It is Caitlin Deaver. Yes, yeah. she is in the title role on Hulu right now. And then something I am so ecstatic about is HBO Max's season two of docu-series The Vow. Oh, The this Vow. Is, oh, my goodness. This is documenting the incredibly corrupt and infamous and famous cult in modern times called Nexium, where... Uh, a, a, a self-help guru basically manipulated hundreds, if not thousands of people into doing his bidding, including branding women in secret ceremonies. And this is the aftermath of the of the court hearings. I, I believe we'll hear some of that during this and where people are now and who's still a follower of him, even though he's locked up for 120 years. Oh, snap. With five years probation so (laughs) if he survived just for safe measure just the the sprinkles on top of that cupcake uh yes wow yeah you kids in your cult shows i i say have fun have fun kids enjoy maybe i will watch it most likely i will not but i'm happy for you those are all the fun things that are that are on my mind that are on my watch list and i hope you'll watch all of those things with us as well Yes, good plug, and and the other thing you need to add to your watch list immediately, like before Thursday immediately, is Halloween Ends, because we're going to be yes. reviewing that film 
this week, Kirk and I are actually going to hop off of this podcast right now and hop into a room to record that review. Um, and we'll have a review out to you this Thursday for what is supposed to be the final Michael Myers film ever. Um, so tune in to find out if that's the case and what we thought of it. And we will see you guys then. But until that time, we of course have to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs and the band that created our original music rhetoric. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Catch us for our review of Halloween ends and we will see you then. Talk to you then. Peace.